One of the reasons I, I like Second Timothy is uh, it's not long. It's a short book. Uh, it's the most personal of all the books Paul wrote. Uh, so you go and get a good glimpse into the personality of St. Paul. Um, and I do believe, uh, I say this in case, depending on what study Bible you're reading, I do believe that Paul himself wrote 2 Timothy. Um, I believe Paul wrote it. I'll tell you when I thought, think he wrote it in a few moments. But, but if, um, if you do hang out in, in um, higher education for about 125 years now, there have, been, there have been voices who said Paul could not have written 2 Timothy. Paul could not have written 1 Timothy, and Paul could not have written Titus. Uh, my biggest problem with that is in the first sentence, you're told Paul wrote it. Um, and my view of Scripture is high enough that, that I think Paul wrote it. But um, over the years, though, uh, I've, I, I've learned how to argue for Paul being the author. Let me tell you how you can argue for Paul being the author. Or let me tell you how they argue Paul's not the author of First and Second Timothy and Titus. They will say there's vocabulary in there that that Paul's non-disputed letters uh, do not use. They'll say there's some chronology presented in 1st, 2nd Timothy and Titus uh, that you can't fit into the known life of Paul, either from his non-disputed letters or the book of Acts. Uh, they'll, say, they'll say there's too much organization presented in the church in First Second Timothy and Titus, that, um, uh, that some scholars, particularly some 100 years ago, used to say that level of organization only would have come long after Paul was gone. You know, the, the people that said that 100 and some years ago, all of them were college professors that uh, they never hung out with church folks. Uh, those of us that hang out with church folks, you will organize it to death within about three weeks. I mean, it doesn't take long for organization to pop up. And in 1st, 2nd Timothy and Titus, you do see organization. You see bishops and deacons and elders already being presented. But I, I, I think that level of organization in the Christian community can pop up pretty quickly. Because, um, again, I've been around churches, and I see how quickly we organize things. And then, you know, before long, we've organized it and made it a tradition. And then before long, we can't do it otherwise. That's just our nature. So I, I, think, I think the early Christian community organized pretty quickly. Some, some of those skeptical scholars who say it could not have been Paul, they say that First, Second Timothy and Titus present, present false teachers. And, and that's an issue in these letters. There's false teachers that Paul has to go after. Uh, there's false teachers, and some of those skeptical scholars hundred years ago said, you know, the church had to be around too long. Christian theology had to be around too long, or at least for a significant period of time, for uh, the, 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 the real and the true to become um, false teachers, for there to be strange ways of teaching Christianity to show up. Well, again, the people that said that 120, 130 years ago, most of them were German. The ones who said that, again, were in colleges. They didn't hang out with real church people. I mean, just like I'm, I've hung out with church people now going on 40 years, so I know how quickly we organize, and I know how quickly we can screw it up theologically. It doesn't take three generations uh, to uh, veer off the, the, the path of true doctrine to false doctrine. We can do it pretty quickly. 
So, um, and the other reason uh, is really easy with First, Second Timothy, and Titus to make um, allowances for different language, different vocabulary, different style. Because one thing you need to understand about Paul and his writing, and this is true of everybody that wrote in the first century, they all use secretaries. They all use the fancy term, by the way, is amanuensis. So if you make a lot of money on Jeopardy with that term, I won't part of it. But it just means secretary. In the ancient world, that's just the way the writing was done. Paul tells you he's using secretaries. He tells you that. So obviously, whoever the secretary is that he's using, you know, influences the style of the document. Um, like, for instance, in Romans, he tells you Tertius is his secretary. Um, sometimes you just need to read the text. Um, I believe that his secretary, and I think he's going to tell you, I think his secretary, who is uh, his scribe, who is penning Second Timothy, is Luke. He's going to tell you that. And that's why, again, there's some differences. You know, there's some differences in style between Second Timothy and, and the book of Romans, Second Timothy and First Second Corinthians. But he used secretaries. And, and the, the personality and the style of the secretary got, got involved a little bit. So I think it's easy to make allowances and to explain all the reasons that all these people say that it cannot be Paul. Um, one last point about that. They'll say that you cannot fit some of the chronology, some of the geography, some of the travels that you hear him discussing in First, Second Timothy and, and Titus. You can't fit that into the book of Acts. Well, that's, that's, there's an easy answer to that too. If you remember the book of Acts, wonderful book, Paul is imprisoned at the end of the book of Acts. He is. If you read the text... He's under house arrest in Rome at the, book, at the end of the book of Acts. He is under house arrest. That's not a tough life. He's under house arrest, and it's obvious in the book of Acts, people are coming and going to see Paul in that imprisonment at the end of the book of Acts. Well, when you look at 2 Timothy, which we're going to look at for quite a while, that imprisonment's different. He's in chains. In Second Timothy, he is facing his death. In Second Timothy, he tells you he is facing his death. In Second Timothy, Second Timothy is his last will and testament. In Second Timothy, you can read his epitaph. So even if you look at Second Timothy, it feels like a very different imprisonment than you read at the end of the book of Acts. So what those of us that are traditional scholars with a high view of Scripture, the only thing we have to do is get him released at the end of the book of Acts. Get him released at the end of the book of Acts. It's, it's not, he's not even worried he's going to die at the end of the book of Acts. He's imprisoned in Rome, but he doesn't even seem to be worried he's going to die. So get him released because the book of Acts literally just ends with him in prison. It ends in mid-sentence, so you don't really know what happens. Uh, just get him released at the end of the book of Acts. It's always been the tradition of the church. Get him released. Let him have a fourth missionary journey. Let him travel to some other places. There's even some evidence in the early Christian community that he made it to what they called the ends of the earth 
during the Roman Empire, which for Paul, that would be Spain. And he may have made it to Spain. But all thing you have to do is get him released at the end of the book of Acts, let him run around again for a while, fourth missionary journey, let him get arrested again. And the tradition is he was arrested again, and he was arrested during the reign of Nero. You remember Peter Ustinov fiddling while Rome burned the old 1950s movie Quo Vadis. Um, yeah, he was arrested. Quo Vadis, the movie's right. He, he, he was arrested during the reign of Nero. He and Peter both were arrested during the reign of Nero. Um, and he died in Rome in the mid-60s. Um, so it's, 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 it's not hard at all to uh, give Second Timothy and First Timothy and Titus to, to Paul. I tell you that because if you have a preacher that says, Paul could not have written this stuff, tell him to come see me. Let me. It says Paul in the first sentence, but the historic church has always said, it says Paul, it is Paul who wrote it. Now, so that's a little bit of the background of Second Timothy. It is, so therefore, I think, the historic church thinks, it is the last thing Paul wrote. He's facing death. He has, he has called, well, called, he has gotten word to his protege Timothy. Um, he has gotten word to his protege Timothy, and he's begging Timothy to come to Rome. I think he just wants to see Timothy. He loved Timothy. He's begging Timothy to come to Rome. He, um, he is passing the mantle on to Timothy. At this point, Timothy is pastoring in the city of Ephesus, which is ancient uh, Asia Minor or present-day Turkey. Some of the best ruins you'll ever visit. They're extensive, and you feel like you're walking in first-century Ephesus is the ruins of Ephesus in, in, in present-day Turkey. Uh, Timothy, we know from the Scriptures, was, was pastoring in Ephesus. But uh, Paul knows he's facing death. He assumes he's facing death. He's in chains. Uh, we're we pretty sure he's in chains in Rome. Um, he, he's, he's writing Timothy. T it's obvious from Second Timothy, Timothy is to take over when Paul's gone. Timothy is to pick up the mantle of Paul and to continue the work of Paul when Paul's gone. Presently, he's pastoring in Ephesus. We learn a lot. Of, we know a lot about Timothy from the book of Acts uh, and otherwise, but we learn a lot about Timothy's personality. Just like we learn a lot about Paul's personality in this area, we learn a lot about Timothy's personality. You'll learn that he's timid. He's probably shy. Um, you, you'll learn that with Timothy, God can use shy people even to be the new Paul to follow Paul after his death. So that's why it's such a personal letter. It is the most personal of all of Paul's letters, which is one of the reasons I like it. I, I like seeing and getting to know Paul's personality. Um, and he's being very personal in this letter. So that's probably enough background of 2 Timothy and telling you why we're starting with 2 Timothy. Um, it's short enough, and something else that I enjoy. I hope that you will read it frequently between now and the time we finish, whenever that may be. Because sometimes in Bible study or in sermons, we, we spend our time looking at the trees in the forest, and you never look at the forest. Uh, almost all the documents of the New Testament um, were written with the assumption they were going to be read to a group, 
and they were going to be read at one sitting, even the longer documents. So uh, really to get the impact of New Testament documents, you need to read them. You need to read them at one sitting. I'd even encourage you to read them out loud. Even though this letter, something else I like about Paul, even though this letter is obviously written to Timothy, it's very personal. He's writing to his mentee, his protege, the one who's going to pick up the mantle after Paul's gone. Even though it's very personal, like all the other letters in the New Testament, because very few people were literate in the first century world, so people learned by hearing. This letter, like all the other letters, was intended to be read to the congregation. It's written to Timothy, but Paul, and I'll tell you why in a second, Paul intended that Timothy would read this person's letter to the folks in Ephesus, to his congregation in Ephesus. The reason we know that is at the end of the letter, um, Paul says, y'all, at the end of the letter. He's southern. He says, y'all. You know, we, we, it's weird in English. You is, can be singular or plural in English, right? Which is why we southerners have to say y'all. Or if you go to Pittsburgh, they say youans or something like that. But, uh, yeah, so, you know, you is plural or singular. But Greek is, has both. So we see at the end of the letter, up to the end of the letter, he's talking to Timothy. But at the end of the letter, he slips up and talks to the congregation. So you know from, from the letter, he, he's writing to Paul, he's, to Timothy. He's being very personal to Timothy. But he, um, he, is, he assumes Timothy's going to read this to his congregation. That's the way all these letters were treated. And that's why they were preserved and protected and, and, and kept. Uh, and they became Christian scriptures because they were written to congregations and they were preserved. So that's probably enough intro uh, to Timothy. Look at the text. We won't get very far today, but we'll get a little bit. Look at the text. You know, the, the way they wrote letters in the first century Greco-Roman world was very smart. And in some ways, I think, smarter than the way we write letters. You know, when somebody writes you, you've got to turn to the last page to see who, who wrote it. That has never made sense to me because I know Greco-Roman writing style. Greco-Roman people told you in the first sentence who's writing you. That way you don't have to turn over to the end to see who's writing you. And that's why all, all of the letters in the New Testament, whether Paul wrote them, John wrote them, um, Peter wrote them, all of them are basically written in this style. There's a greeting, and usually there's a thanksgiving. Uh, there's a couple of times when the author is mad, and he skips the thanksgiving. Uh, Jude is an instance. Galatians is an instance. But normally... There's a greeting, you know who's writing you. There's a greeting, there's a thanksgiving, and then you get into the body of the letter. That's the way all the folks in the Greco-Roman world would write. So uh, let's at least look at the greeting today. So chapter 1, verse 1, 2 Timothy. Not first, 2 Timothy. There's two letters to Timothy. So it starts out, Paul. I, Paul. Paul. So you see in the first word, first sentence, who, who the author of this letter is. And I do believe it's Paul. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus. Um, apostle is a very specific term in the New Testament. Uh, it literally means in the Greek, one who is sent. And as soon as you read it, you say, well, sent by whom? Um, so an apostle in the New Testament is someone sent by the living Christ, sent by the risen Christ. Uh, that's why you have to. That's why Paul has to argue frequent, not frequently, but more than once. Paul has to argue in his letters 
that he is an apostle because they would say to him, you, you didn't know the living Jesus. You weren't hanging out with Jesus before the crucifixion. So particularly Corinth did this to him. So they'd say, Paul, how, how can you be an apostle? You, you came along late in the story. So you, didn't, you couldn't have been sent by Jesus. And of course, what's, what's Paul's answer? Where did he see Jesus? Yeah, I think I heard it. Road to Damascus. That's why the book of Acts includes that story three times. And that's why Paul references it in the book of Galatians. Because that's, that's where he was commissioned, on the road to Damascus. That's when he saw Jesus, uh, the post-resurrection Jesus, because uh, he came late to the, to the, to the story. Anyway, but he's, he, he claims to be an apostle. He, he was sent by Jesus. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, according to the promise of the life that is in Christ Jesus. Um, resurrection life is not something we get to benefit from at death. We get to benefit from it at death, but resurrection life is, can, be a, can be a gift to us here and now. That's life in the Spirit. That's the fullness of life. That's the abundant life that Jesus promised. So, um, and that's the life Paul's referencing here. In Jesus Christ, we find life after death, but in, in Jesus, we find life here and now, too. Uh, it's not just life after death. Um, so he, he, he says he's an apostle, and he, he knows what he's preaching about, this promise of life after death and here and now. Uh, to Timothy, my beloved child. Not, no blood relationship here between Timothy and um, Paul, but you, you get a sense of how they were related. Paul calls him my beloved child. One of the things we've got to capture in the American Christian community, or recapture in the American Christian community, uh, is this. And I'm, 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 I'm encouraging you to participate in recapturing it. Uh, we've known this for 2,000 years, but we've forgotten about it. Uh, I think we're in the process of recovering this idea in our age, but we've got to recover it. As a Christian, you are called to mentor someone. Period. You're called to mentor someone. Uh, there's someone that's not as far along in the journey as you are. Even if you started yesterday, somebody starts today. So there's always people around you that's not very far in the Christian journey. It's clear in the New Testament, it's clear throughout 2,000 years of Christian tradition that the the, the way we grew this movement is we mentor people. I, I, you know, I, like, I tell this congregation, I tell the staff, I tell the leaders, I should, be, I've never done this. One of these days I'm going to get cantankerous and I'm going to do this. I should, be able to, I should be able to stop you in the hall and say, who are you mentoring? Give me the name. Who are you discipling? Because that, that is a serious Christian practice that we've lost we moderns are a little, we're, we're too polite. We don't even like to talk religion with somebody. Well, find that person you can talk religion with. Find that person you can talk religion with. And I, I sh we should be able to ask each other, who are you mentoring? Who are you discipling? So Paul had his Timothy. 
Um, this is a practice from the earliest days of Christianity. Paul had his Timothy. So who are, who are you mentoring? Who are you discipling? Now, you know, in the modern world, we've just... One of the most disturbing books I ever read, I'm glad I read it, but it was so disturbing, was a book entitled The Epidemic of Narcissism. We are a world of narcissists. We're the first culture in human history that could create a MySpace. Face, you know, Facebook. We're the first culture in human history that posts on Facebook what we had for dinner and we think somebody cares. <laughs> we are a world of narcissists. It's not all about us. Who are you mentoring? I mean, the, 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 the important thing is you are mentoring someone whether you know it or not. Someone's watching you. Someone knows you're in Bible study this morning. Someone knows you've got a connection to the Christian community. And they're watching you. By the way, I think they particularly watches when we suffer. So the, the scary thing is we are mentoring people for good or ill. So we need to take the, take the role as a mentor and realize that people are watching us. We have opportunity to impact people. So Paul had his Timothy, um, but this was not a unique arrangement between Paul and Timothy. This is the way we've done it for a couple thousand years. So uh, think about who, who, who you're mentoring. Um, to Timothy, my beloved child. You see the depth of the relationship between Paul and Timothy. And then the greeting, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. And then there's a thanksgiving, and then he gets into the body. You're going to get to meet his mother. You're going to get to meet his grandmother. Um, we'll, we'll get on into that next week. Let me just show you one other thing that you need to know. Go back to the book of Acts. Look at the 16th chapter of the book of Acts. I want you to see where Paul and Timothy met. And you, you have an account of that in the 16th chapter of the book of Acts. So go back to the 16th chapter of the book of Acts. And you'll see where uh, Paul runs across Timothy. And um, I wish we knew more about how the relationship developed. Because this is where he meets Timothy in Acts 16. This is where he meets Timothy. And, um, but over the course, they travel together. We see that. But over the course of their lifetime... Uh, uh, he gets to where he can call Timothy my beloved child. But look at chapter 16, verse 1 and following. Here's just part of Paul's, one of Paul's missionary journeys. Paul came to Derby and to Lystra. We're in Asia Minor. Paul came to Derby and to Lystra. A disciple was there named Timothy. He probably became a disciple on one of Paul's earlier trips through this region. So when he goes back, when Paul goes back... He, he looks up the disciple that was made on a previous trip, Timothy. A disciple is there named Timothy, the son, and you're going to get some of this out of 2 Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek. So he, he comes from a mixed marriage. His mother's Jewish. You're going to learn in 2 Timothy, his grandmother also is Jewish. Um, his father's Gentile, Greek, pagan, non-Jewish, whatever you want to call it. Um, one of the interesting things on so many levels, even though he had a Jewish mother, you're going to see in just a second, he was not circumcised. And that's an issue for Paul. Uh, Paul doesn't believe any Gentile needs to be circumcised. He argues for that vehemently. Gentiles don't need to be circumcised to come to Christ. But he never says Jews don't need to be. So here he, he finds this Timothy, whose mother was Jewish, who should have got him circumcised regardless of what dad said. But I guess dad was 
a strong personality. So Timothy was not circumcised. Uh, notice what happens. Verse 2. Uh, he was well spoken of by his brothers, as Timothy. We can learn a lot reading between the lines about Timothy. He was well spoken of by the brothers. These, these, these are the brothers and sisters. These are probably disciples, other disciples of Christ. He was well spoken of by the brothers at Lystra and Iconium. Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him, and he took Timothy and did what? Not a good day for Timothy. <laughs> this is um, not an infant at this point. But for the sake of evangelism, for the sake of Timothy going with Paul, you notice in the book of Acts, Paul always starts out preaching to the Jews first. Whenever he goes to Philippi, whenever he goes to Thessalonica, he goes to the synagogue first. And he tries to proclaim Christ to the Jews there. Uh, usually doesn't last very long. And then he moves beyond the synagogue. But he always goes to the synagogue first. Because those people already know all about the Hebrew Bible, the Old Testament, Moses, all that stuff. So he starts out always to the Jew first and then to the Gentile, is what Paul says. Um, so he's taking Timothy with him into these Jewish places. So he takes probably the young adult Timothy and has him circumcised. Uh, so... Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him. He took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those places, for they all knew that Timothy's father was a Greek. Um, and anyway, they, 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 they travel together. That tells you something about Timothy. I mean, Timothy's well spoken of by his brothers, and he submitted to Paul on this. Um, I could have come up with some arguments against it if I'd have been Timothy. But he submitted to, to Paul on this. So as a young adult, he was, he was circumcised for the good of the mission, for the good of the cause. He's circumcised. Some of us can't get out of bed and go to church on Sunday mornings. For the good of the mission, for the good of the cause, notice what Timothy accepted. Because he knew, Paul knew, Paul always started with the Jews first in whatever city he went to. And he knew that they would know enough about Timothy to um, question why he was not circumcised. And, you know, Paul never says Gentiles need to be circumcised. He's, he argues vehemently that Gentiles do not need to be circumcised, but he never says Jews don't need to be. That's part of their covenant. That's part of their heritage. That's part of their ethnicity. So, uh, yeah, that tells me something about Timothy. Um, and I choose to interpret it positively. I don't interpret it that Timothy has no personality or backbone. I, I, I choose to interpret it positively. For the sake of the cause, Timothy yielded to it. So that's probably enough. Um, uh, I'm giving you five minutes extra, but don't, don't expect it every week. Um, please. Um, it's, uh, I, I'll probably, uh, there'll be some times I'll make use of it. But